Hello, and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis, and today's guest is Jennifer Whitfield. And we're all about that controversial Scottish delicacy, Haggis, the chieftain of the pudding race. And who better to guide us through the culinary history and folklore of Haggis than Newfoundland's own Haggis Lady. Jennifer was raised in Glasgow, lived there till she was 25, then got in the QE2 and sailed away to the New World. She moved to Newfoundland in 1976, and she's been making haggis since 1981. And she's made haggis locally for the Burns Night Supper and ships her haggis across Canada and the United States. Welcome. Thank you. It is a delight to have you here. It's, it's going to be fun, I think, to talk about this this dish, this yes. famous dish that's known around the world. Yes. And uh, maybe for, I can't imagine that there are listeners who don't know what haggis is, but what, what is a haggis? A haggis, it's a traditional dish, and it's made from the parts, the heart and the liver and the kidney of the sheep. And when a crofter, most crofters would have a sheep, and it would be slaughtered when it was time. And so these awful parts are, have to be used immediately. And so they would be cooked together along with oatmeal, which they also would have. And this is not rolled oats, it's oatmeal and onions and suet. And that would be placed inside the lining of the fourth stomach of the sheep, which has been cleaned out. And it's just like a pudding bag when Newfoundlanders are making peas pudding. They right, put it yeah. in a bag, and yeah. this is the bag. And they, it's boiled or steamed, and then they, they would eat it. It's a poor man's dish. But Robert Burns came along, and being the person that he was, and that would be a whole other story. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, yeah. <laughs> uh, he wrote this uh, poem, and it's called The Address to the Haggis. And this elevated the haggis from just a family. I have a beautiful picture. It's an etching, and it's it's probably a couple of hundred years old. And it's a family sitting around the table, and the mom in the family is bringing in the pudding, and the pudding is haggis. And so that would only be eaten whenever a sheep was slaughtered. It's not something that back then it would be eaten um, in great volume. And I, it's delicious. I love it. And lots of people think it's disgusting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we're here to clarify that today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've, I've had haggis many times. I've never had bad haggis. You know, people have this, I think, yeah. idea. They hear, oh, it's made of awful. It's, it's boiled in a stomach. That sounds terrible. But it's, it's quite a, a lovely thing yes, to eat, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I have people who say, why would you feed somebody the intestines of a sheep? And I give them a funny look and I say, well, nobody gets fed intestines of anything. The, in, the part that they're thinking is this lining that's been cleaned. And I have done that process I, I, once or twice, but I don't often have a sheep at my disposal, but I've had the parts and yeah. I've cleaned them and I've organized it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I'm curious about, you know this this idea that it is a it is a traditional Scottish yes. dish. But like as a girl, was it something that would was a common thing? You know, was was haggis something that you grew up with? I I, I grew up eating it. Yeah. Now there was not a living soul I knew that made it. Right. In Glasgow, when I went back there one time, I, I went to one of the main butchers, 
and asked, walked in, and it was a big, big place. And I walked in and asked if I could speak to the haggis maker. Right. And it was a the the whole butcher shop. It was men in white coats, and they had the straw butcher hats. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And this one man, he says, "What are you want to talk to him for?" I said, "Well, I've got a few questions." And he went and got the haggis maker, who was a man. And he looked down at me and I said, I just want to ask you a few questions. He says, I'm not giving you my recipe. He says, so don't even think about asking it for it. And I looked back at him and I said, well, ditto. I said, I'm not giving you my <laughs> recipe. And he was shocked. He said, what do you mean? So I told him what I did here. He never heard tell of it. And he was absolutely amazed. First, I was female. Second, I was doing it in my own house. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask questions to make sure I was doing it traditionally correctly and after he decided that I was a raving lunatic I was doing it correctly <laughs> and back there they made no bones about it he says I've never heard of it you're cracked wow and so I thanked him and <laughs> <laughs> it's a mark so of pride it's a I mark think. of pride for yeah, me yes yeah, yeah. yeah so I I investigated some more and I found some of the casings there uh, which I did bring back but um the casing that works the best is the real sheep's lining of the stomach. So where do you where do you get that? Where do you get? Well, your it's taken me years to find it. I couldn't get it. Um, I couldn't get it in Scotland, and I couldn't get it back here uh -huh. because of customs. And I tried Toronto, and at that time I couldn't get it there. Couldn't find it anywhere in Nova Scotia. And then four years ago, it is now. Um, Halliday's Butcher Shop is where I get my meat and the Cliff Junior said gave me a number so I called this number and the guy there said um, there's one place I haven't tried and he told me what it was called it's called the Yes Group <coughs> so I called them and the gentleman who answered the phone his name was Mario and he was an Italian <laughs> and he knew exactly what I meant so he shipped me out five and the lining of the sheep's stomach of the first stomach is about about 30 inches long maybe a little less okay so if I make that one full then that would probably be about a 10 or 12 pound haggis but in fact what I generally do is make like say three four pound ones right I'm um, and they're, so they're a little smaller yeah and so where's he based where's Mario based uh, he's in Toronto in Toronto okay and um, Markham Ontario in fact yeah yeah and when I, I only ordered a couple because I wanted to see that it was right. And I was so excited and it works and it's fabulous. And now I'm taking pictures of all my haggis. <laughs> I have a folder. A scrapbook. A, a scrapbook of haggis. <laughs> and they, for me, they're beautiful and they look like they're supposed to look. Yeah. Whereas before I was just using the, the casing for um, like sausages. Right. Um, salami. So okay, they were okay. shiny, right? And they didn't look right, right? So, but this the the skin shapes into the haggis, and you can see the colors of the meat, and you tie up with brown string. So I got, I finally got some brown string as well. And what what <clears> goes <throat> into it? I don't need I don't need to know your exact recipe. No, no, your secret no, no. recipe. I'll but, never but tell that. <laughs> <laughs> but in a general sense, what what goes inside? Inside, it's heart, liver, and kidney. Yeah, and steel cut oats and suet. And onions and salt and pepper, lots of pepper. That's what gives it the 
um, edge that it needs. And so you get your meat, you said, from, from Halliday's, Halliday's, which yeah. is a local local butcher. Yeah. So what kind of heart is it? Is it? Uh, it's lamb or beef. Lamb or beef, yeah. okay. All of it's lamb or beef. That's yeah. the only two kinds of meat I would use. And what would it have been originally? Would it all have been I sheep? think originally when it was for a family, it would have been one sheep that was slaughtered, so it would have been the sheep parts. Yeah. And they, they are, it is very good when it is made all with, you know, sheep or lamb. Yeah. Uh, however, you to get the amount that I need, <coughs> uh, I went into beef, and that w- that is legal. I checked right back through all my history and resources, and there's um, in Europe there are various dishes made for, with these parts. Right. From now, I never use I I don't use pig meat, and I've tried to get the moose meat, but I can't seem to get all the parts. I think there's a part of the moose that people treasure and they won't part with it. Mm. So it's either the heart or the kidney, I'm not sure which. Yeah, I've heard of people <coughs> roasting <coughs> moose heart. Yeah. So it must be the heart. Yeah. Because I've had the liver and the kidney and I haven't, but I need that, th- I would like to have that third meat. Well, we'll put a call so out. Put a call out, <laughs> yes. <laughs> for a moose, moose heart. call. <laughs> yeah, moose call. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Um, so let's go back. It's It's 1981. Yeah. And what oh, what yeah. was your what was your impetus to, mm-hmm. to start making haggis? I got a phone call from the minister of St Andrew's Presbyterian Church, and I'd been going there for a short time. I, he told me that this other person. So it started off the Bell's Whiskey co- used to come over to St John's and award three chef prizes first second third and back then it was it was prestigious so they would come over and there was always a big dinner it was down at the old hotel and so somebody from there bell's whiskey ordered a haggis dinner for the ceremony so the hotel called st andrew's presbyterian church because it was scottish and everybody who's scottish makes haggis which of course is wrong and the minister there said he would find somebody to make it. So he called this woman who was a dietitian, and she said, I'm not making haggis. <laughs> <laughs> she planned over a thousand dinners a day, so she said, I'm not making haggis. <laughs> but she said, I know somebody who will. And so he got my name. And I'd never made haggis in my life because in Scotland you go to the butcher and you buy it. Right, yeah. And but now were it. you were you known as a, as a good cook? Is that is that why you um, were called? Or yeah, well, I yes, I guess I was. But my friend knew me and knew me well and knew that she fit, I'd ha- give it a go. Right. And anyway, when I talked to her, I said I've never made haggis. She said, Don't worry, I've got a good <laughs> recipe. And she said, I'll keep you on track. So then that was my first effort. Yeah. And I called the hotel and told them they had to find a sheep. If they were going to do it, I wanted it done c- completely correctly. So somebody went out from the hotel and found a sheep in somebody's yard. Yeah. And they brought it in, they slaughtered it, and they took the parts that were needed, and they brought the offal and the lining of the fourth stomach to my house. And so that was the first time I made it. And it was good, and I was excited. <laughs> and what was the what was the response then? You took it, was, it to the hotel, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they pipe it in? Or what? Yes, yeah. it was all done properly. Yeah, and it was it, a comical part for me was the phone rang, and long before cell phones and all that, and the phone rang, and I answered it, and they wanted to speak to the chef who was with me, and 
so he spoke to them and he said, I'm in Jennifer's kitchen and we're stitching up the haggis. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that was kind of the beginning. And so then from there, the next incident that happened was my neighbor was the person that ran the blood donors clinic at the Red Cross at that time. And they were short of blood between Christmas and New Year's. So he gave me a call and he said, you're Scottish. He said, there's a celebration. And I said, yes, it was Hogmanay, New Year's Eve. And he said, do you think we could put on a Scottish clinic, call it the Hogmanay Clinic, between the last taking of um, blood collecting was Christmas Eve. And then you've got Christmas, Boxing Day and the next day. And then they need more blood because after three days they have to can't use that. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure. So he said, well, we need to find somebody to make haggis. And I said, well, that's me. Because <laughs> he had been in touch with the hotel, and the hotel had told them they'd got haggis. But he hadn't connected it to Put the, two the two person together, sitting yeah. beside. <laughs> so we started the Hogmanay Clinic. We ran it for 10 years. And every, between Christmas and New Year's, we'd have a big haggis go in and we'd have the pipers and the dancers. And so it became a Scottish affair. It wasn't just haggis but after people had donated blood and they'd watch dancing and listen to the pipes they would get um, oat cakes and a little pot of haggis to eat yeah. with their they didn't supply the whiskey it was coffee <laughs> <laughs> and that stayed out that was in place for 10 years wow. and it was super fun yeah and then it went from there because the people who were the scottish people who were there started asking me for orders of haggis so how did you become the haggis lady then how did you become known as that well the St Andrews Society wouldn't accept my haggis to start with they ordered it from Toronto and they s hung on with their n nails bending to hope that the plane would land with the haggis that was coming in from Toronto for the burn supper and of course it's the middle of winter the January and so I decided to join the group and get on the executive. The same, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. Right. And so I told them, after I'd been on the executive for a year and a bit, I told them that I knew somebody that made good haggis, and they were all, they didn't really believe it because they didn't know anybody in Newfoundland that had been making good haggis. And so I let it alone. I said, I'll bring, I'll bring it in, see what you think. So I had it in the slow cooker, so it was hot. It's got to be served hot. And I had nice little plates and forks and everything, and I served it to them. And this group of older men, most of who are no longer around, they tasted it, and they ate it, and they ate it. And I said, is that okay? I, it's no bad, it's no bad. <laughs> said, it's no bad, which means it's great. pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they asked me who it was, and I said it was me. And they ordered the haggis then. Yeah. So, I mean, I make probably a couple of hundred pounds for them every year every year yeah yeah i used to take a week off work to do it for right. the run supper yeah so i was going to ask like, how long does it take to prepare say, say you were making a haggis from from scratch uh like how, how long a process is that okay if i was making one haggis um it's basically three days because of the process you have to get the product and then you have to cook the meat and then um, mix it down and then stuff the um, casing and then steam it. Hmm. 
and then test it. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter came up with one day um, when we were living in our, we lived in an older house than what I'm in now. And she said, Mum, she said, you know, every time you make haggis, she said, when you think it's done, you take the lid off and you open it up and you put a fork in and you taste it and you say, oh my God, that's good. And uh, she she had been watching me do this for years and years <laughs> and years. And now, now she comes along with a fork and it's good. <laughs> but that was exactly what she said every time I taste it. And that for me is just yeah. the icing on the cake when I open it up and it's ready. So what, what makes then a good haggis? Because there is this, you know, we, we talked oh, about that yes, earlier, this yes. idea that there is, that it is not a... Is that some people think it's a disgusting kind of yeah. thing? Like, so for you, like, are there good haggises and bad haggises? Yes, and my father actually was the person that kind of taught me that without really knowing he was doing that. Uh, you have to use it's the ingredients. You have to use steel cut oats, which is a an oatmeal that's not been processed a mm-hmm. lot. It's really quite chunky and it's got a real nutty flavor to it. If you use anything fine grind or if you r- use rolled oats, then it gets all sticky and gluey. Yeah. And people often say to me, can I have a slice of haggis? Well, my dad always said, if you can slice haggis, you just put it in the garbage, I, which I'm sure some people might be offended by that comment. But the, co- the context, the feel of it has got to be just like um, j- fresh fried ground beef or like a dressing for a turkey mm. it's loose and it's so it's not a even though there's uh, the the oatmeal is in it it's not glutinous no it's not glutinous no 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 it just falls apart when I li- when I lift it out of if I'm making it in bulk um that when I'm spooning it out you know it falls off the spoon right and so that and then of course your quality of your meat mm-hmm. is essential yeah and then what what um, what do you add to it in terms of like spice or the only thing is salt and pepper and that's it yeah yeah and when I started making it for the burn supper one of the older gentlemen a lovely man he said to me next time you make it he says next year we'll order from you he says put a wee bit more pepper in it (laughs) so I said aye (laughs) and then he said and if you're making it for me put a lot more pepper in it (laughs) and it's the pepper yeah I buy pepper whenever I can get it, um, because ground black pepper or the corn, the peppercorns, they can be expensive. Yeah. I, I mean, I go through probably about four containers of pepper when I'm making up haggis for different things. So now, as a as something of a haggis purist i guess mm-hmm. in some ways what do you make of like tinned haggis and vegan haggis and oh, things well, like that well there's no such thing as <laughs> vegan haggis because it isn't haggis right yeah it's vegan something right and and i won't make it I, i've been asked to make it and i'm not going to there is somebody in our group who makes something that satisfied that's some kind of nut casserole that's not and a it's haggis. a it's a joke because they all know i won't <laughs> i won't make it <laughs> Um, and you like I, I know like when I've been to Scotland you can go into the tourist shops and you can buy like the tin oh the tin house haggis. yeah and it's interesting one of my f- best friends and in fact the girl that put the name Haggis Lady on me she was living here 
a Sandra and she was secretary in the group and at the Burns Supper when I did this haggis the first time and then the second time she was thanking people and she said and we have to thank Jennifer Whitfield she says our very own haggis lady <laughs> so then it became we dropped the very own part yeah. <laughs> and it was because of that and now it's it's I uh, have a card and it's it's, <laughs> it's out official. there. Yeah. 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 And if you go online and ask where can you get Haggis in St. John's or in Newfoundland, it comes up, Google's up the Haggis lady, Jennifer Whitfield. So it's great. One of the things I wanted to talk about, and we're, we're kind of coming towards the end, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the folklore and mythology of, yeah. of the Haggis, because I know this is something that you're interested in, that you've done a lot of reading mm-hmm. and research on the subject. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wonder if we could talk a little bit maybe about this uh, kind of created myth about the the haggis, the the animal that this is the oh, story yes. they tell tourists, oh, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> the wild haggis, yes, yeah. definitely. Oh gosh, yes. I mean, in in Scotland, haggis haggis shouldn't be anything serious. It's it was always a poor man's dish. It was elevated by Robert Burns, who is a marvelous bard and poet, but a, of questionable background. I, but it's fun. It's always got to be fun. And so in Scotland, you, you t- I told somebody, I said, I'm going out in the South Side Hills and I'm going to shoot the haggis. And they said, haggis? I said, yeah, didn't you know they'd gotten over here? <laughs> and so haggis have two short legs and two long legs because they run around a hill and they can't turn around and run backwards. They have to keep going in the same direction. And so people go hunting for haggises. Yeah. Haggis, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I guess if they, yes, if they're always running in the same direction, they're easier to catch. They're easier you, you to know, catch, you know yeah. Go, yeah. Yeah, you know to run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and they talk about, you know, catching them and skinning them. And and then you said, oh, no, you can't skin them because you've got to cook them in skin hmm. in the casing. And sometimes they have feathers and there's wonderful drawings and great fun with it all. Yeah. And the whole I mean the dress to the haggis that poem that Robert Burns wrote it's full of nonsense and fun and he insults every other you know the French and their cooking and the English and their cooking and and some of the other types of cooking in Europe but then the the end you know he says you know you want to please a Scotsman gear a haggis and that and I love that last line you know because it's like yay gear a haggis (laughs) you know three cheers and then somebody said, what's in a haggis? And it's like, ugh, why would you want a haggis? <laughs> so the burnt supper has often now, not so much now maybe, but used to be so formal and and it was lovely. I mean, we wore full tartan dress and kilts and all the rest of it, which is super to see. But Robert Burns didn't have all the fancy gear that, you know, many of the young men and women have now. Yeah. And and he was a scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a bit of a scoundrel. I think that, that's you need a good Scottish <laughs> whiskey to go with it, yeah. <laughs> now, here's the question then. You know, we're talking about, you know, making fun of other other nations' cuisines. Here's the, here's the million-dollar question. Is it actually Scottish? The origins of haggis, is it? That That is a very good question, yeah. and I've done a lot of reading. And the... The word haggis in that word is Scottish, but in Europe, 
there and one woman I know she's Welsh and the Welsh have something that's put together with with you know those sorts of parts yeah so I and the Norwegians have as well so I, I think that back in the days I think ev- probably every nationality had a way of using the parts of animals that d- didn't always appeal. Mm-hmm. But they're good meat, they're fat-free. The fat that is around the heart and the kidney is the good fat, and that's what goes into the haggis. And it doesn't you, do, you don't get a big old greasy. Um, if you do, then you've got the wrong meat. Yeah. So there's lots of ways of knowing. I and I honestly think that I mean even a, a plain sausage and you the moose sausages that we get as well they're made of parts that you know maybe they couldn't do anything with them so they grind them down and they make a delicious sausage mm. so I think that kind of pudding slash sausage is common throughout um, definitely Europe I can't say yeah. for other parts Asia likely has something as well I, I wanted to finish up um, today, if we can, talking about your most your most recent activity as as haggis smuggler oh, and, yes. <laughs> and smuggling haggis. Yes, uh, being very exciting. devious. Uh, we're talking about being a scoundrel. Yes. yes. So, so you were you had a request from California. Yeah, my sister lives in California, and she keeps she over the years she kept saying, "Oh, I wish I could get some haggis here," and they had bought tinned haggis, and it was not what they wanted. And last year and the year before, she really bugged me. And so finally this year, I said, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? They can come and get me and put me in jail for <laughs> shipping haggis. <laughs> <laughs> or they can eat it or throw it away. I mean, I, then it, it's great when you get that freedom where you realize that really not much can happen to you. So I got the haggis, it was raw, and I set it into a bag, an 8 by 11 put a piece of cardboard underneath, and I set it in the freezer. And then when it was frozen, I sealed it all up, and I put it inside a cover of, a, sort of a plastic cover, something you might get at a conference, and then I just gently wrapped a tartan scarf around it. And I put it in an envelope, and I dressed it to my sister, and I sent it first class, and on the green declaration form I said it was a book about haggis <laughs> which was and it was technically true it was yeah kind the of book, a book was about it sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only thing I've ever tra- kept track of and when it got over the border into the states I was cheering in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she did receive it and they had their first real haggis uh, burn supper see now that was cool now you're going to be on some kind of no fly list yes right they'll be be checking my luggage (laughs) are you carrying a haggis in there (laughs) and you have shipped them other places you've shipped them across Canada oh right across Canada yeah Yeah. when I attend national meetings for different organizations I take my notebook and I I get orders for haggis. It's amazing. Now, if if people want to get in touch with you, if they're looking for a haggis of their own, how do they how do they track you down? How do they find the haggis lady? Well, they can just Google it in, and it, it does come up. My um, email address is there, but I can give you my email address yeah. and my phone number. Sure. And uh, my phone number is seven five four zero seven seven three, and my email address is a. J Whitfield W H I T F I E L D at NL dot Rogers dot com and I receive many 
emails asking for haggis. It well, just I'm, blows my mind. I can't believe it. Hopefully you'll get some new orders out of, yeah, out of this. Yeah, yes. Jennifer, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been great fun. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a co-production of CHMR Radio 93.5 and the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Andrea McGuire. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.